0: Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Uh, When I got home, I had an email from uh, one of the people that works for Times Gazette and she asked me hey I saw on your Facebook page where you had the baptisms on Sunday would you mind if we do a story in the newspaper about it so thankfully Miss Joanne was kind enough to bring it this morning and look at the size that all about the baptisms last Sunday and it says Longview Baptist starts 2024 with baptisms you see how God can take something and what we would say as simple as, but God can take little and make it much. So that is a testimony. It's really awesome. She actually wrote a really nice article in there. Uh, basically, it's just God honoring. Uh, there's verses in there. It's just, you know, hey, God can do it. First Peter chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. I uh, can't really see that good there, but uh, if you get a chance, look at it online. I'll have this. Maybe we can put it up in the back there for a couple of weeks so that uh, people can read that, but... It just shows you that God can do awesome things. We just need to let Him be God. And a really hard part of that, I was talking to some people about it this morning. It's hard trusting God to do what God promises to do. Does anybody ever have any issue with that? It's that little word that starts with an F, it ends with an H, and it just says there's a little bit of it required to move a mountain. I don't remember what the word is. Faith, right, faith. The faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But faith, if you remember what the, what the actual definition is, faith is being sure of sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The next time that you don't know how you're going to get something to work out that you, don't, you know has to be worked out and you've prayed about it and you've done your part, By the way, what does God also say? we got to do our part. Don't sit around and pray that God feeds you, but you didn't get up and go to work. Amen? How many times people sit around and go, hey, God will provide. I just quit my job, and I'm trusting God will send me another one. If God was standing right there, he'd look at you and say, you idiot, I gave you one in the first place. Why did you walk away from it before you had another one? And I know that God's not just going to up and have you quit your job, is he? Because what does the Bible say? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all the glory of God. But also, don't forget, you're not working for a boss, you're working for God. We've got to keep that in mind, and we need to be faithful in the things that we do. Now, do you let someone do something illegal and mistreat you at your, no, I understand that, and you know what, sometimes you have to go to the labor board and things like that, I realize that. But be faithful in what you have been assigned to do. Don't sit around and be a burr in the saddle of your employer just because you are a controlling person that wants everything your way. That's not right either. You do everything in word or deed and do it to the glory of God. God will provide. God will lead you. And if, let's say you're a Christian, I've dealt with this, where people have lost their jobs because they're Christians. I've experienced someone having this happen. As a matter of fact, an an employer of someone at this church many years ago said, I don't trust Christians. Two weeks later, they were without a job simply because they had given their life to Christ and the employer literally said when they had found that out that I do not trust Christians. That employer is less than five miles from this place, still owns the company. I'm not gonna say who it is. It's not my business to do that. But I will promise you, if you're living for the Lord, there's gonna be times that that happens. What do you do? That's called faith. You, you trust God to open the door that you faithfully walk through. Is being faithful to the body of Christ easy? No. How many people this morning, I'm going to tell you one of them, me. I would love to have slept in this morning. My back hurt last night. I woke up in the middle of the night had to take something. It was not a morning that I would have, It's oh, I'm just going to get up this morning because I feel like it. No, I didn't feel like it. But God saved me. He has given me the ability and privilege not just to be the pastor, but to worship him. What greater privilege that I could do than to be a part of this blessed assembly that God established for us to be encouraged and challenged and to pray for and pray with. And there's all these reasons that we can all, every single one of us in here could give a litany of reasons of why we could have stayed home today. But how about we do this? Let's make excuses to honor, to glorify to be faithful to the commission, the great commission, to go ye therefore make disciples, but also Hebrews 10.25 says don't forsake the assembling. So I hope you're encouraged by what God did just in something as small as an article in the newspaper. That would be, I know, an encouragement to other believers in the area that may, I know many, many churches in this association, not only in this association, but even in the, the four counties surrounding it that aren't even our denomination. I know some that had not seen a baptism in 20 years. So there's a lot of churches that would do anything just to have one person be baptized in any given year for that matter. But look what God's done with our our assembly. So be faithful to it. Be thankful for it. Because remember, taking for granted what we have now. I'll tell you what. Take your heat for granted today. Huh? You take for granted your heat and imagine uh, what tomorrow uh, midnight when it hits zero or whatever it's going to hit. I know what it's like, because we've had that happen. Not only have we had that happen, I've woken up in the middle of the night, and our water, when you turned it on, it didn't run. You've heard me talk a lot about water and how thankful I am for water, because there's a lot that has to happen for us to have water, because we're blessed with the, uh, the generous wellsprings of Bedford County Utility District, and they promised me that the water would pump up to where we live. Well, that was a lie, it didn't. And then I had to put in a pumping station. And what does the pumping station do many years ago? It would freeze. And you don't know what it's like when you have pipes freeze, is one thing. When you have a solid steel pump freeze, it can break. And that pump now is over $2,500 to go replace. So you be thankful for that water that you don't have to pump it uphill, that you don't have all the things that we have, but even still, it can still freeze. I would encourage you this is my little public service announcement you might spend $20 in water if you let it run this week when it gets really cold that's the best $20 you'll ever spend because I assure you if your water pipes burst you've got a whole lot more $20 that you are get ready to deal with uh, one of our brothers in Christ in our assembly many years ago their son haphazardly left the garage door open and it was zero or below that time Uh, You know, when you're young, you know young boys, they just don't think about anything. Well, they think about things, but they don't think about what they should be thinking about. Amen? So he left the garage door open on one of those nights that it went below zero. But this was the problem. The water heater was located inside the garage. Not only did it freeze the water heater, but it burst the lines, and they had a big old mess. So make sure you take a little bit of time today. If you don't have frost-free pipes, turn them off. Or go to Lowe's and buy one of those little styrofoam things that goes over the outside of it. Because an ounce, as my grandmother used to tell me, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So that's, again, that's the end of my little uh, service announcements there. Hope you have your Bibles this morning. Going to be in the message that God had uh, originally intended for last week. But then God said, nope, I want you to preach something different. We're going to be back in Acts chapter 27. We're going to look this morning at verses 27 through 44 of a message titled, Shipwrecked on His Plan. We're getting to the, the actually the, my favorite part of the book of Acts. If you've ever read the book of Acts, you know about the shipwreck story. That's what we're in today. I, I don't know why. This has always been one of my favorite stories when Paul's on the journey here and he's in the boat. We're going to go real quickly, though, over what we looked at. It was in November before we started the Advent series that we were in our last study, and we looked at that point in in verses 13 through 26, and it was subtitled, Tossed About for Truth. Three things we looked at in that study was this. We may think we can outsmart God, but it will not happen. Control of the ship, we we looked in that study, if you remember, the merchants had one motivation. Was it the safety of the crew? Was it like today, you know, we want the safety of the crew as first and foremost. No. What was the motivation back then? money they wanted money they wanted to get the shipping done because that's when they got paid so that was the focus and the time of year basically it would have been about this time of year the time when the nor'easters come when these storms are really prevalent was coming into winter they actually probably would have been in september october november and they were at that time when things were at the point where shipping stopped for the rest of the winter it was too dangerous and they would get ships they would put them in ports and they would have them in places of safety, safe harbors. But the, the people running the ship, the, the merchants in control of them, they were like, you know what, we want to get this last one done. This is a very profitable cargo. And long story short, it's not going to turn out good for them. Number two was God's abilities are limitless in leading us where he needs us. You know, God was directing Paul's life, Paul's ministry, exactly how God wanted it to be done. And it actually even ties in with what we looked at last Sunday in Romans eight twenty eight. I shared with you last Sunday, God really, by the way, is such an encouragement to hear how God used last Sunday. And by the way, if you miss Wednesday night, you're, you're missing something, not because I preach. I'm just telling you, people say on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights is when the really good messages happen. Um, I'll just be flat out honest with you. Get here if you can get here. I know if you have to work, that's one thing. But if you're making an excuse not to be here to fellowship on Wednesday nights, you're missing something. I had someone say to me Wednesday night, I didn't want to come tonight. And at the end of the service, they came up to me and said, I am so thankful I came. God just really spoke to me. And I really appreciate you know, the, the, the assembly and the fellowship and being able to come. So what do we know with Scripture? What do we know about being a follower of Christ? It's a sacrifice. Please understand this. If a sacrifice doesn't cost you something, it's not a sacrifice when you come on wednesday night it's just like me we're sacrificing time you come on sunday morning you're sacrificing time you come on we're sacrificing time but what greater what greater sacrifice can we make for the one who sacrificed everything for us i know one thing my days are numbered and your days are numbered this little infinite time minuscule nothing Of time in history that we have in the let's just say you live 90 years if you're really blessed you look at the obituary today you're gonna be super lucky right fortunate to hit 90 most people are really pushing it if they get into their 70s all right those of you who are over 70 you just jump up shout glory hallelujah because you're right you're in bonus you're in the bonus time And we know from Scripture that's about what God's given us around 75 years old. So be thankful that not only you've been given what you've been given, but this. What is 75 years in comparison, let's say 90, in comparison to eternity? I know the 49 years of my life have been like that. It gets faster every day. And I know that it doesn't end with this, I know that there's life eternal. And I'm so thankful that I came to Saving Faith in Jesus Christ 20 years ago this this year because I have not wasted a moment of my time in relation to the glorious eternity that God has prepared for me and prepared for you. Please do not get caught in the mindset of, well, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to pray this prayer Please read the book, and I've actually challenged somebody to read it. They're reading it and shared it. I've said this a a bunch of times from the pulpit. It's Kyle Eidelman, uh, not a fan. Please read that. I want to tell you that because of Matthew chapter 7. There is an easy deception that is rampant all over the globe. It is people who have bought a bill of goods of, oh, pray this prayer so you don't go to hell. That's not what God desires for us, church. God desired to know us in a relationship. God desires to fellowship with us. We see back in the Garden of Eden, God is relational. God from day one, in the very picture of creative order, is a relational God that desires to walk with us. We know that the separation that occurred in the Garden of Eden, God made the ability for us to walk with him again through Christ Jesus. He restored that ability for us to walk with him. But don't get caught in that, ready, religious mindset of, I'm going to pray this prayer so I don't go to hell. That's not someone desiring a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, to me, looks like someone who wants to save their skin. Amen? God desires to walk with you, to know you. He desires to speak to you and to hear from you. So don't get sold short. Please talk to me if you want to know more about that book. I'll give you a link to it. But again, God's abilities are limitless in leading us where he... Needs us, And then the third and final thing in that study was let your hope be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Finished up that study by that resounding truth that could not have been shouted any louder. Church all over the ground is sinking and everything else. You can put your hopes in mankind. You know what? You can get a great wife. Guys, if you're fortunate, uh, ladies, you'll get a good husband if you are fortunate, if God blesses you with one. I see a lot of, what if you look at the divorce rate right now, there is no difference. As a matter of fact, I think it's a little bit higher in even church and quote-unquote Christians, but it's a minimum of one out of every two marriages in divorce. What does that tell all of us? You better not put your hopes in someone. You better put your hopes in him because I assure you, if you put your hopes in another person, You will find yourself like Nebuchadnezzar. You will find yourself wanting. You will find yourself coming up short. You will not experience the abundant life in Jesus Christ, but if you fall in love with Jesus and God sends you the person that he has prepared for you, it will be the most glorious relationship you could ever imagine. And what will actually happen is you will grow together in your walk with Christ. You will live the abundant life that God created you to live. You won't live in light of your retirement one day. And I say that with us, you know, with all the kids that God has blessed and continued to bless us with, retirement's a sunk ship. It's not about that though. It's living the created purpose that God has for us and glorifying and honoring him in the process. And I hope that that's what your desire is this morning. If not, I would pray that God would convict you bring you to that place where you can walk in the fullness of Christ. You will experience what I've talked about over and over again, where just like myself, 20 years ago, I was lost and without hope, but the power of God brought me to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and I would not trade the life that God breathed into me, September 20th of 2004, for anything in this world. Again, I hope you found the scripture in Acts chapter 27. We'll look at verses 27 through 44. And if you're able physically this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. When the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea, and in the middle of the night, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took a sounding and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little further and it sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then, fearing that we might run aground in some rocky place, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved.' Then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, and let it drop away." When it was almost daylight, Paul urged them to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. After he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. When he broke it, he began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. In all, there were 276 of us on the ship. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could. After casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach, But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plans because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered that those that could swim jump overboard first and get to land." The rest were to follow, some on planks, some on debris from the ship, and in this way, everyone safely reached the shore. God, thank you for this privilege we have this morning to worship you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for all of the the brothers and sisters that have stood the test of time, that stand as representatives, Lord, of the good gift, the truth, the life, and the, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that as we as followers of Christ... We're able to look to all that you've left us, God, as you speak to us and speak through us. Father, I pray this morning all over the globe that ones would hear the gospel truth and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you might move as only you can. And Lord, if there's one here or watching online today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray you would move in their hearts this morning. We give you all the glory, the power, dominion, the honor that you deserve. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. may be seated. So verse 30 through 32, And so some sailors tried to escape the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion, Soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, and let it drop away. Please, the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. There is no or are no escape plans in God's plan. God has a plan for every single one of us. And you look at this story right here. It's really easy to cut date, right, to jump ship, to decide, wait a minute, I don't like what's going on. I'm out of here. See, God's got a plan. Thankfully, these ones that were getting ready to do that listened because had they not, they would have been, been dead. And I think what they realized by that point, this Paul guy, I don't know who this guy was, and I don't know who was telling him what he knew, but he really knew what was going on because he had foretold exactly what would happen to this ship before it ever sought or set sail in the first place. Now, Paul didn't have the ability to say, hey, I'm not getting on the ship because he's a prisoner at this point, headed to Rome, where he's ultimately going to lose his life, and he knows that. But he was sold out steadfast to God's purposes and God's plan and remember this: when you and I are a follower of Christ, yielded to what God's desire is, literally, when when you see with Nehemiah in the potter's house, he is the potter, we are the clay. God has divinely molded us for a specific plan and a specific purpose. What is awesome about that is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 ties into that. Trust in you, him with all of your heart, lean not into your own understanding. And all of your ways, acknowledge him. And then this is the key part. He will direct your paths. So there's not an escape plan. And if you have a plan B this morning, let me tell you one thing. You're in big trouble. If this God thing don't work out, I'll tr- uh, you, you, I'm sorry, but that's not going to cut it. God is not a talisman. God is not an app for your phone. And we don't live like that. You're either all in or you're all out. You can't say, well, I'm in a little bit. Not-. No, no. You're either all in or you're all out. You're either religious or you are in a relational relationship with Jesus Christ that's transforming your life and God is divinely leading every step that you take. And that's the question you ask yourself. Are you one of these guys that oh, I don't like what God's doing right now? I'm going to uh, I'll be right back. I'm putting an anchor down back here and you right cut the skiff loose. You're getting ready to jump off cuz you do not like what God's doing. You're not all in. You're not in the midst of God's plan. You're in the midst of doing what you want to do. And I will tell you, in cataclysmic disasters, that's what happens, epic proportions, when we try to take over what God knows, divine. man, God knows everything. God knows exactly how to move us from point A to point B. We may not like how he's doing it. We might not like, oh God, I I, I want my children to be sold out to Christ, and then one day they come and say, hey mom, dad, I want to be a missionary. And all of a sudden, (laughs) wait a minute, Uh, I'll stop paying for your school if you don't, what do you mean? I've known parents that have tried to thwart their children going to be a missionary. I know, I've I've met this, I've dealt with this situation. Why would you do that though, you might ask? Because of the danger of, Poor little Billy, Bobby, Susie, or whoever it is that, you know, I want other people's children. I I want my kids to have a good living and I want them to stop it. I want my kids to be sold out to Christ. I want them to live according to God's desire and God's plan no matter where it takes them, no matter what the end might be. Just like my friends, the Riches, who lost their son, Bob and Noel Rich. Hey, they lost their son, Mark. How did he lose him? They didn't lose him. Mark was a missionary. He was a missionary down in South America, and the FARC guerrillas captured him and, and ultimately killed him. And I've shared the story with you. I actually read the letter <clears throat> many years ago about how not only had they killed him, but see, before Mark was killed, they had kept him captive for quite some time. Mark had fervently shared the gospel with the FARC guerrillas that had had him captive, that had kidnapped him. The reason they found out how Mark died is one of the captors, years later, came to Christ. Ended up writing a, a note to Noel mom and saying, hey, um, I killed your son and I, I need your forgiveness. I read Noelle was writing the story about it and Noelle said, you know, I really, she struggled with being angry and she didn't want to do it until the weight and magnitude of what her thoughts were overwhelmed her with grief. Because she said, what I realized at that point is, my son shared the gospel with this person, and here Jesus died for me, and yet I was not willing to forgive one who had taken the life of my son. But yet, at the same time, here was the very heartbeat of her son's desire being fulfilled in this man coming to Christ and she felt overwhelming guilt long story short she actually went and saw him in prison and ended up with a really good relationship with this person who had taken her son's life you think I don't know what happened what was God was he was he busy was, was God just must not have been paying attention because if God had paid attention, then my child wouldn't have died, my mother wouldn't have died, my father wouldn't have died. You just put it in there, that person in your life. If, if something could have happened, it, it, something slipped his mind and I don't understand it, but he, God still, there's a reason. And though we may not understand it now, God's faithful. And I know that's not a, a solace when you're in the midst of something and I'm not there I don't go Nor would I want someone to come to me at the moment that great loss you've experienced and just go up there and make that statement. You don't do that. It's just not appropriate. It's not right. But I'm talking this morning in this context. Now, if you begin to grow in Christ as God is conforming us into his likeness and as we recognize in the grand scheme of things, just like that painting that I'm talking to you a week in and week out about, God's painting a picture our lives are about God painting a picture. All of us together in combination are allowing God to use us to paint a picture. And we don't like the blacks. We don't like the grays. We don't like those muted colors. We want the vibrance, God. We want the reds. and We want the yellows. And I want these, these pictures that are indicative and represent the awesome things in life and the beauty and the neat things. And God, just, you can let somebody else be that. You can't do that. Because if we're gods, we are all in. God, you use me no matter what. But we can do that with the great comfort in knowing that not only never will he leave us and never will he forsake us, but he's ultimately preparing us for something much bigger than we can begin to imagine. Do we believe it? Or is that just that statement when everything's going great, uh, oh, Lord, everything's wonderful, and and we, we tell people that, but then... We get in a Job-type situation. And all of a sudden, we cut bait, right? We're jumping over the bow. We're lowering down the skiff, getting ready to get I'm out of here, man. It's either, you're either all in, you're all out. There's no spiritual life in abdicating or, or removing ourselves from the position that God has us in. We're not going to be there to celebrate the victory of how God supernaturally turns situations and uses them for His glory uses them to reach others and minister to other people, never in a million years. Many years ago, I guess it's been 15 years ago, I had a dear friend of mine from South Carolina who called me up, and his wife was kind of off the rails in a major way. She is just kind of off the rails. She had decided to go out and dance at night and go do these things and quote-unquote with her friends, and he's just like, man, I'm really struggling with it. I don't know what to do. I said, well, you're going to trust God, my brother. This guy had been a dear friend of mine for many years, and I just said, either you're going to have to trust God, or you're not going to trust God. And I said, you always talk to me about how you trust God. You either trust him right now, you pray that God would, would break her heart, and that God would bring her back, or you've got to just trust God. And whether she leaves, whatever, whatever the story ends up being, I promise you, you're going to look back, my brother, and you're going to say, I never in a million years believed that God could turn and use this in a, in a God-glorifying way. Long story short, he calls me. He's like, man, she left me. She left me for another man. Oh, just distraught. I said, brother, stop. He prayed. I I shared with him the truth of God's, the doors that close. God will open a door. I said, you have honored God in everything in this. This is one of the very few situations that, you know, you think, well, this guy did. No, this guy was an amazing husband, loved his wife beyond a shadow of a doubt. Long story short, down the road, God sends my brother one of the most amazing women you could ever imagine. She was a missionary, godly family, bananas for the Lord. They ultimately got married. They have either four or five kids now, they're in ministry. I remember talking to him a few years after. I said, Remember when you called me in complete despair? No way in the world could you ever see a tomorrow because of what you were enduring at the moment. I said, see, God's ways and our ways, his thoughts and our thoughts. Now, did God ordain your right No. But we have free will. And you can wake up one day and you can wake what, what happened? It can happen. But God is faithful. And God will do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And my brother. And I'm even dealing with somebody right now that I said the same thing to recently. Not here at church, somebody in another state that I'm ministering to. And I said, you know, God's fix is going to be so much greater than you can ever imagine if if God does not restore that person and that person yield to the, the leading, guiding, and directing of God. See, keep this in mind. There's no escape plans in God's plan. So today, if you're in I want you to do this. I want you to cut all the lifeboats off in your life. Or like, you know, God, if, if whatever, hey, I'll, I'll do this or I'll do that. No, you just trust God today and you say, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to be faithful and no matter what the cost, I am yours, you are mine. And you can even say what Job, remember Job said, hey, though you slay me, yet I will trust you. Can you imagine that? What Job was saying, I, I just read it recently because I'm in Job right now. Though you slay me, yet I will trust. Meaning, God, if you kill me, I'm still going to trust you. Pretty deep in that. That's a level of trust in God that is a little hard to understand. And then, especially when you're Job, and all, your wife said, curse God and die, all your friends are like, you're a wretch. And what is Job doing? He's standing there going, I didn't do this. I don't understand. Cursing the day that I was born. I don't like this. Job was one that realized, I think more so than anybody, God's love, desire, Kate, are you going to take the blessings and not the tough times? Can we take his blessings but not the difficulties? What is God to us if that's the case? That's what the enemy had said, right? The enemy had gone and said, the only reason Job loves you and is honoring you and serving you is because you've given him good things. That's why. What did Job prove? Job proved he loved God because he loved God. My question to you this morning is, do you love God good, bad, and ugly? Not Meaning, no matter how difficult things may get, no matter what you may go through, do you still love, honor, and trust that God sent his son to die for you? And that's the question we ask. Then verse 31 and 32, And Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, and let Drop away. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is this: only when we stay true to God's plan is there that promise of His protection and blessing. We can strike out on our own. Like again, God gives us free will. We can do it. Nothing's going to stop us if we want to do it. We can do it. You're going to say, "Well." I'll I might not like things, but I'm gonna, I'll just try and I'll fix things on my own when I don't like things, and, and I'll meet up with the Lord later on. No, it doesn't work like that. You can do it, but it's going to end in a mess. It's going to actually not only end in a mess, it's going to end in a big mess. When we stay true to God's blessing, when we stay true to His plan, when we stay true to God's perfect desire for our life, there is the supernatural protection in His blessing within that. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll he'll guide and direct every, every single step, every twist, every turn. There's a blessing in that. What is the blessing? We're able to take part in what God's doing. Not in a disgraceful and shameful way because how many times have people done that only to be a cautionary tale? a caution sign down the road. Why? Because they didn't want to yield. They ended up taking the bait. They ate of the fruit, right? They got into the promised blessing that was sidestepping God's plan only to find themselves a place in brokenness, sin, hurt, shame, guilt, how many believers, church, in my lifetime have I seen that jumped off in a skiff only to be that thing that I, in my mind, go, oh, Lord, don't ever let me fall victim to that. We see Samson. We see Korah. We see King David, a man who ultimately thanked the Lord. God had forgiven him. It referred to David later years is what a man after god's own heart a man that had messed up so bad it was forgiven but do you think that god said you know what yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna supernaturally ordain this sin for david and (laughs) we're gonna no god used it for his glory god can take a mess and make us an example of what not to do and even use us for his glory after that after all of the mess the ashes the brokenness is settled But why do that? Why don't you stay true to God's plan, stay in the midst of His purpose and desire and will for your life so that we don't have to be a narrative, a cautionary tale of what not to do? Stay faithful to the purpose right now in your life. Stay faithful to growing, encouraging, challenging other brothers and sisters in Christ, letting God use you for His glory, staying faithful. To the promise you made as a follower of Jesus Christ to stand firm in the faith and the testimony of your baptism, saying to the world the transforming work of God and how it's now been applied to your life, and choose you this day whom you will serve. Or you can try the skiff, I challenge you not to. Look at Paul's life from the road to Damascus until his death. The murderous death at that, simply because he loves the Lord, his God, with all his heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Paul's a testimony. A testimony that you can run the race faithfully to completion. You can finish the race. We don't have to have 50 different... What well, makes a better testimony? No, it doesn't. What about the messes that we create and the damage that we do in the process? Who wants to do that? I don't want to. I want to do what my cousin says. State, God, keep me desperate for you. God, give me enough just to keep me from stealing or begging, right? God, just meet my needs. Don't make me rich, God, so that I don't feel like I don't need you. God, give me what I need for today, right? Give me the... Why? Because it's so easy when not... When we live like Elijah in the wilderness, what do we do? We realize that, hey, we've got to have God every single day. A whole lot of this, that, or the other. Isn't it not easy to start walking in our own strength? Hey, look here. Look what I've done. Look what, wow. Very easy, because that word that starts with P, pride. Pride likes to rear its ugly head, and boy, look at me. That right there is everything that's contradictory to God's truth, God's word. And we only stay true to God's plan when we stay true to it, God's promise to protect us, to bless us, comes along with that. And, and then verses 39 through 44 again. When daylight came, they did not recognize land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run aground the ship ashore if they could. And after casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea. And at the same time, loosening the ropes that held the rudders, then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar, ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast, remained immovable, while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. The soldiers' plans were to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape, but the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to follow some on some planks and some on debris from the ship. And in this way, everyone safely reached the shore. The third and final thing I want to share with you this morning, every single day, God does the impossible in our lives. Do you see it for what it is? So look at Paul. Why was he alive? Because the centurion, You don't, by the way, think the centurion had some weird warped fascination for Paul, do you? No. I think what he did is went, wait a minute. This guy, before we got on the ship, warned that this was going to happen. I want to get to know this guy. I want to find out who he's aligned with. This God he's talked about, this angel that came to him, I want to know what he's about. Big picture of what? Testimonies and the impact of our testimonies. Very, very important concept, too. We can destroy those with three words, with one word. How easily can you destroy the testimony that is, in some cases, been decades in the building by not keeping a tight rein on your tongue, as the Bible says? It's very easy, isn't it? What was Paul good at doing? Not only in everything in word or deed, do it all the glory of God, but Paul wanted his very life. Remember when he thought he, he, he was, didn't know that he was talking to the, the high priest? And he, he basically was saying, he wasn't saying bad words, but he didn't talk to him in a manner that was conducive with that. He he apologized for it quickly. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Paul didn't want to do anything that could bring disrepute and bring dishonor on the name of Christ. Are we that way? Are you letting your testimony go before you? Uh, and there was a song many years ago that I remember called A Sermon in Shoes. Anybody know that song? No one? A Sermon in Shoes. Oh, wow. Well, Eddie, we're going to be singing next week. But it basically, what the song is about is a little, as independent Baptists always sing that song. But it's basically saying that when you walk, and you live your life, you should be a sermon in shoes. Is the life that you live today testifying to the work and and power of God in your life? If it's not, it should be. Because there's a lot of times that we're not able to speak to someone who maybe we don't know well. Maybe there's not an opportunity at work because you're so busy and you don't have a chance and there's no forum with which you can do that and be faithful to your job. Imagine your testimony, though, because I know for a fact, from personal experience, that your testimony can reach people that you don't even know. through other people who have been watching you, whether you realize it or not, and who have talked to other people and said, hey, have you met someone? Wow, they're such an encouragement. They have such joy. I know this is true. You can also fail to have a testimony with an attitude that is nasty. And you don't have to say bad words to do it. You just have to be foul. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know from scripture. So if you have joy, does any okay, let's say here here you are, you're at work, and they give you the opportunity to sit next to one or two people. You can sit next to a Debbie Downer, by the way, if your name's Debbie didn't mean to offend you, but that's what the name and the indicative of, right? What are they? You have the you can sit next to her. Or you can sit over next to the person that rejoices in the God of their strength, that is happy, that is joyous, that is happy just that life, they are involved in it. Who's going to sit where? Anybody want to sit next to Debbie Downer? Honestly. I know some of you are going, I would. I'd do it just that I'd sit next to somebody all happy (laughs) like that. I've met them, people like that. But I know for a fact, you'd sit next to a person because most of us are empaths, meaning we're affected by the countenance of those around us. Has anybody ever been around somebody and you get next to them, they never said one word but sucked the life out of you? I know. I've experienced it. And the next thing you know, I go, I feel like I need a bath. Their attitude is so filthy that it has dragged me down and I don't want to get in their presence. I know what that's like. That's why I know the importance from personal life experience of why we should keep the joy of the Lord that is our strength, that we should have the countenance of someone who manifests or lives like the profession that we've made with our mouth. Very important thing. We're seeing that play out in the life of Paul, but every day, God does the impossible in our lives. He does. I shared this morning prayer, and we're praying. You know, the things that God has this very week protected us from that we don't even know. There were cells in your body. Do you know that every person in this building at one point or another had the beginning of cancer? All of us. What is cancer? Cancer's DNA that starts to replicate it's a, it's a messed up piece of DNA that if continues to replicate that's what cancer is you know how many times your they say that your body kills cancer for you get it It'd be thousands and thousands of times what has God done in our bodies this week to protect us think about the auto accidents that God protected you from this week and me from we don't even know the little delay that we had that we were so mad about we were so upset man I can't believe it my tire went flat I this I that You know, we're on the side of the road. God, I just can't believe you'd do this to me. But yet you don't realize that God protected you from something that could have taken your life. The supernatural provision. You know that it'll be the hand of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of love that doesn't change like shifting shadows. You know that if God allowed our heat system to go out this, you know, there's people that could die this week and there's people that God will... It doesn't make sense. It's so profound. It never makes earthly sense, does it? how God can do what he does, but God does a really good job at doing what he does. And he always, though, acts in accordance with his plan. You know that if it wasn't God's plan for this ship to be saved, and by the way, Paul, we're going to see next week, gets an incredible ministry opportunity as a result of this ship. God opens up opportunities for people to see the power of the gospel and the power of truth through this shipwreck. How in the world could a shipwreck... God used to glorify and honor him. That's the awesome thing about God. All you have to do is yield yourself to what God's desire and plan is and God will use every single circumstance and lead you into that perfect place of peace in your life. Again, I reiterate this. Does it mean that he'll remove every difficulty and there won't ever be any obstacles and there won't? No, that's not what it is. Life's a journey, our spiritual walk is a journey, it's not a destination, meaning when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the journey that God puts us on, it's like Pilgrim's Progress, and God is growing us, and what is he doing? He's got us right here from the time that we come to faith in Jesus Christ, salvation, and then he's walking us through at this place that sanctification is the salvation, sanctification that we're in right now, that is gonna culminate one day in glorification. What that means is one day we're going to receive the reward as a follower of Christ when we enter his presence and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wherever you're at in that sanctification process, hey, it's okay. God's working it out. God's using each and every circumstance for his glory. God's using those to grow us and prepare us for the next stage. Are you allowing him to do that? Or are you battling every obstacle because our Americanized thought process is, well, if I have a headache, I'm going to get rid of it. If, if I've got a backache, I'm going to take something instead of going, hey, what could be the root of this? What if God is using those physical afflictions to grow us and prepare us for the next thing? Embrace every stage of what God is doing because each one builds on the next as a testimony of what God's doing to ultimately conform us into his likeness. In James, James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Paul embraced those. Even when they said, the belt with which this person's tied up, hey, this, you're going to be tied up like that. Basically, you're going to die. And they were like, please don't go. We don't want you to go, Paul. Paul's like, listen, I got a mission. I'm paraphrasing. I got a mission I, to God be the glory. And is that your desire this morning as a follower of Christ? My hope is it is. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, for this privilege we have this morning to worship, to glorify and honor you. I pray today, Lord, that more than anything else, we are yielding ourselves to you, the potter. We are but clay. Mold us and make us after your will, Lord. God, I pray this morning for ones that are in this building that are battling or struggling, whatever it is that they're enduring in their life, whatever the... the, the path and purpose that it seems like you have for them doesn't seem like what they signed up for. God, give us the patience, the grace, and that ability to realize that everything you're doing has a purpose, and it's for a reason. God, I thank you so much, Lord, as we've been able to go through Acts. God, seeing the time after time that Paul suffered for doing the right thing. Lord, as we're able to see scriptures like Job and stories like that, God, all throughout scripture, godly men and godly women suffered for doing the right thing and lord give us that strength and that ability to stand steadfast under persecution under trials and under tribulations knowing that god you will bring us forth as gold as you prepare us and you make us into your image and prepare us for eternity i pray during this invitation lord if there's someone in this building or watching online that does not know you as lord and savior God, they know of all about religion, but they don't know what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. I pray, Lord, that this very morning, God, you'd help them understand their need for you and your desire for a true personal relationship with them. It is not religion. Father, it is a true relational. And Father, I thank you for that ability we have to walk with you. I pray this morning, Lord, for ones that are struggling with situations and choices they've got to make. God, they would lay those at your feet today and trust you, Because you are trustworthy and you are ever faithful. Father, I pray more than anything. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.